here in part two of episode eight commemorating a hundred years since the passage of the 19th amendment to the u.s constitution we have another special woman to join us today and to share with us about her experience on female empowerment and how women across america and across the world can engage in our democratic process patriotism faith national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylowski. I've got a- another great guest with me today to join me in part two of this episode commemorating 100 years since the passage of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, Jacqueline Thomas. Jacqueline Thomas is a native Arizonan, lifelong Republican, and Miss Arizona 2019. She graduated as a top 30 business student from the Honors College at Grand Canyon University and is the founder of Lady Leaders LLC, which facilitates panels featuring successful women from across private industry and government service to impart advice to the next generation of female leaders and provides the foundation for custom one-on-one mentorship programs. At Miss America 2020, Jacqueline was named a top five finalist for the Women in Business Scholarship. After the conclusion of her year as Miss Arizona, Jacqueline plans to move to Washington, D.C. and is applying to Georgetown Law. And now without further ado, I'd like to welcome Miss Arizona 2019, Jacqueline Thomas. Welcome to Friends and Fellow Citizens, Jacqueline. Sherman, thank you so much for having me on. Well, I'm really excited to speak with you, Jacqueline, and I think it's just great that you took the time and energy to be on this show. I want to first ask you, and I'm sure the audience wants to know as well, which is, could you share about your Miss Arizona and Miss America organization experience? I have been a part of the Miss America organization for the last seven years of my life. Um, This September marked officially seven years. And what is ironic about the passing of the historic 19th Amendment um, in its 100th year anniversary is that this year is also the 100th anniversary of the Miss America organization. And I think that it is no coincidence that Miss America started during a landmark time when women were given the right to vote. And ever since that time, they have been a disruptor in society, training women and preparing them for the world and preparing the world for great women, which is their new Miss America 2.0 motto, but has always been their motto. My time as Miss Arizona was amazing. It was a dream I had ever since I was a little girl. I grew up watching Miss America, but never really knew how to get involved. And I went to junior high with a girl who won Miss Arizona in 2013. 
And I was entering my freshman year of college that summer, and I got in contact with this girl who had won, and she put me in contact with all the right people, and I won my first local my first week of my freshman year of college and have never looked back since that moment. I think that at the time, I didn't exactly know what I was getting into, how much the program requires of you, the level of excellence, um, how there's a contract that you really have to live your life by, but it has been some of the most incredible training for life. Um, on my sixth try going to Miss Arizona, I won. Um, the year before that, I was second runner-up and was a double prelim winner, top fundraiser, and other awards. Um, but I didn't. It wasn't until my sixth try that I actually captured the title. So I think that my story is one of perseverance and also following your calling, even when people around you may not understand that. I really love your perseverance, Jacqueline. I think that story of trying and trying again and finally reaching what you want to achieve with Miss Arizona, it really must have been such a beautiful moment for you and your family. You mentioned Miss America 2.0. Can you tell us more about what that is? Yes, I am the first Miss Arizona to have won under the Miss America 2.0 structure. And I I feel like I really grew up in the 1.0 era and the 1.0 era of Miss America, meaning um, the traditional form of competition with the swimsuit competition and the evening gown portion of the competition and for those who don't know, Miss America 2.0 removed the swimsuit competition and made the focus more on our academic and professional achievements, our resumes, our ability to public speak and communicate the community service work that we had done in our communities. And I thought that Miss America 2.0 was actually much more in alignment with who I am as an individual than um, sometimes the that I felt the 1.0 was. And because I have been always been very serious about my academic endeavors, um, I have always been adding to my professional resume. I, I worked or had an internship every year of my undergrad, and every year since then, um, simultaneously, well, I have also been competing for Miss Arizona, and I love that they took the emphasis away on, let's say, the beauty aspect of the competition and more on. The brains. Um, And it sounds a little cliche to put it that way. Um, But for lack of a better phrase, that's how me and my Miss America class felt about how we were able to compete for our state titles and then Miss America. Wow. Now, what was that feeling when you were on stage, you had gone through all these tries, and you won that Miss Arizona title? Walk us through how you felt in that moment. I remember my sixth year, I did everything possible that I knew to do in order to win. Um, And I said earlier, there is a code of conduct and a contract that you have to live by that really does encompass your entire life. You have to be blinders on, laser focused, 
and make sure you are channeling every single ounce of energy you have into becoming the best version of yourself possible in order to compete at this level and in order to win. And by the time that I arrived at Miss Arizona 2019, like the competition week itself, I had prayed for peace and I knew that I had already put all the work in. And I, I remember just starting every day being so thankful and having fun and grateful. And um, I was blessed to have a really great mental management coach. And um, she knew that the previous year I had only gotten second runner up. And our idea of competing this time was kind of like I was given a second chance. And since this was my do-over, how would I act in a way that this actually was my do-over. So I never wanted to be irritated or frustrated or sad um, because this competition really is all about mindset. It really is you against yourself and being better than the person you were yesterday and being better in competition than you were last year. So it's a mental battle the entire week of making sure that you're on your game and you're also enjoying yourself and making friends and being kind to, to the other candidates um, and when it came down to me and my first runner-up, Letitia, um, it was it was peace up until that point as well. Um, I was just having the time of my life competing. I had never gotten that far. And then when I actually won, it was a huge sigh of relief of, oh my goodness, I finally did it. It finally happened. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I, I'm so blown away by that story and I just can't begin to imagine what that was like, you know, when you work so hard for what you want to achieve and you finally did it. I just really admire your persistence, Jacqueline. I just can't be any more happier than I am already for you. And you're going to be doing incredible things. You're going to bring that spirit, I think, to your career and to your entire rest of your life. I would love to see your spirit become mainstream in America and across the world. I really mean it. I really do. Now, I'm going to transition a bit into our topic today. And of course, the title of this episode is Commemorating 100 Years Since the Passage of the 19th Amendment, an historic amendment to the U.S. Constitution that allowed, at the time, 48 states, all 48 states, to allow women to participate in the democratic process. And it's interesting to note both sides of this suffrage movement. I'm not going to get too much into the anti-suffrage movement here. You know, while there were some really, really queer and strange things that were coming out of that side, there was certainly a lot of pushback because there were men and some women who didn't want to disturb the status quo. I mean, there are people saying that it would disturb family life, it would disturb the ability for women to achieve certain outcomes, it would change the ability for societies to run because there was going to be participation of women in the democratic process. And the big argument on the anti-suffrages side was that the women didn't have the intellectual capability. Now, that is not true, obviously. And there were some very strange so-called science reports that 
try to justify that, some of them really made no sense whatsoever, and they still don't make sense today. But I just want to point out that there was this anti-suffrage movement, and it, and that's why it really took a lot of effort from these suffragettes to be able to push this 19th Amendment across the finish line in 1920. And these suffragettes did it with peaceful demonstrations, with reason, with courage, and just utmost determination. And looking back, I think, 100 years ago, doesn't seem that long ago, but I think when you look at just how impactful that was, you think about the generations of women that prospered because of these efforts, these potential efforts that could never have perhaps been ever realized in the history of America, then I think we really see how revolutionary that was. America is a country of revolution, and there is no doubt that the 19th Amendment is a symbol, just a a part, a big part of that American revolutionary spirit. When you think about the women's suffrage movement in the United States, what are some things that you think about right away? When I think about these women and how some of these movements are similar to movements that we are seeing here in the U.S. right now, I think about these women that thought about the next generation of women and how they were willing to risk it all so that their children and their daughters could have a better life. And I think that that really is a hallmark of American patriots from the very beginning. I mean, isn't that exactly what our founding fathers did? They came over here from England, and then we declared war on England so that we could have our own land and freedoms and govern ourselves. And they were willing to risk everything for the sake of this idea that all men are created equal. I absolutely love what you just said, Jacqueline. On Friends and Fellow Citizens, we reflect on the past. Of course, we reflect on the founders. But we also believe that that was just the beginning. They set up the foundation and the mechanisms for progress. And as the current generation, we are here to continue to make that progress just like they did back in the 1770s to 1780s, 1790s. And I think it starts with a great fascination and understanding of history. No, absolutely. And I I just wanted to comment on that about what you said about history. It's so important to know accurate history and the movements and the principles and the people that advanced different ideas and ideology and policies in the past so that we can learn from them and we can do better. And also recognize that some of the things that are happening in our American culture and society today are not necessarily an accurate reflection of what happened in history years ago. So that's why I think it's so important to study and learn on things that actually happened so that we continue to better our country. Well, we are certainly a lot about history here on Friends and Fellow Citizens, and I'm really glad that to hear what you're saying about the importance of history, because I really don't think that it's being taught very well in our schools today. And as we commemorate the 19th Amendment, I think we also have to be vigilant about 
particular movements that I think are denigrating and destroying what the founders and what the women's suffragettes wanted to fight for. And they wanted to fight for an America where gender would not be a barrier, an obstacle for people to pursue what they want to achieve in their lives. And unfortunately, we are living in a culture where because of cancel culture, because of this idea that, you know, with third wave feminism, especially that all men are somehow sexist or that uh, anytime there's a a man out there that he wants to uh, sexually assault a woman, I mean, it's just nonsense and crazy. I mean, of course, there are bad apples out there, but to assume that a whole entire gender in this case, men, assuming a whole gender to be sexist, I, I don't think that is absolutely what we should be fighting for. It is utterly disgusting to see what is happening with third wave feminism. And we need to get back, I think, to the fundamental values of why these women fought for what they fought for. And to never forget the men as well who fought alongside the women. Equal opportunity for both genders has to be emerging from both genders. It cannot be one gender or the other. Now, in the light of these disturbing movements, what do you think are some of the best ways to commemorate and remember those incredible sacrifices from the women's suffrage movement? I think first and foremost, it's important to know our history. And like you were just saying, the passage of the 19th Amendment would not have been possible without men. So this movement of women earning the right to vote with the, 19, with the passage of the 19th Amendment was never about making men less than women and sort of, let's call it, flipping the tables, as it were. It was more about giving women a seat at the table. And the third wave of feminism really scares me and I've made sure not to align myself or any of my advocacy with that because I think it's so important to focus on, again, knowing accurate history, focusing on empowerment and being personally responsible and accountable for your actions. I think that being personally responsible and accountable for your actions go a lot longer than people realize. And if people would stop and take a good hard look at their actions and what they're doing and how they want to make the world a better place, and if they're really living up to who they claim to be, then we would live in a much different society. I could not agree with you more, Jacqueline. And I just want to thank you for sharing those words and showing that feminism at least feminism in terms of female empowerment doesn't have to be one gender or the other. It should be as united as possible because I want to be able to see women achieve great things because that gives me hope. That gives me hope that people can coexist and that peace and freedom can be instilled within our society. I think about the incredible sacrifices that countless men and women have given up for these particular causes. Of course, notably, 
the women's suffrage movement. And this movement spanned decades, if not centuries, in the making. Perhaps the suffrage movement probably dated back right around the founding of the country, but it could have been happening even before that. And I'm really glad to see that in the United States Capitol Rotunda, we honor Susan B. Anthony, Lucretia Mott, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton in that beautiful marble sculpture that represents the values and represents the sacrifices that countless generations have fought for. And I think to see what has resulted with third wave feminism, I think is just very sad. And I have no doubt that people like yourself, like myself, and the audience here will continue to fight for what is right and preserve that incredible legacy of those women's suffragettes. Now, I want to ask, now moving on a bit from history, now in the Miss America pageant, Every Girl has a social impact initiative. Your social impact initiative is called Lady Leaders. Tell us more about the initiative and organization. Uh, Lady Leaders is an organization that I had the idea to start back in high school because I went to a private high school and the highest position I was afforded in student government was that of secretary because I was a female. And what the school believed and how they operated was all the leadership opportunities and resources were given to the young men. And I sat at a boardroom table with only men um, from junior high all the way up to the highest administration and faculty. And I wasn't allowed to participate in the conversation either because I was only the secretary and there to take notes. But what I felt the entire time in all those meetings was that they were missing an entirely other side of the conversation because women bring different perspectives to the conversation. Um, And from late high school on out, I made a decision that I, I would not let anything like that happen again and that I would do work that would help bring tools, resources, and mentors so that women could be successful. And that is where Lady Leaders was initially born. Um, And the work that I do is facilitating panels featuring successful women from across private industry and government service to impart advice to the next generation of female leaders. And I also provide the custom, the foundation for one-to-one custom mentorship programs. And the mentorship programs are connecting, it's either myself working with a young woman on a particular goal that she has, or connecting the young woman to um, a woman who is older than us in a field that she's interested in. Because I never wanted lady leaders to seem like, oh, well, Jacqueline likes law and politics, so those are the only types of women and resources that she has. Um, So I have mentors and have done panels with a wide variety of women um, from STEM backgrounds, science, technology, engineering, and math, um, public servants, nonprofit owners, mothers, um, attorneys, political figures, et cetera, et cetera, because I never want a girl to feel like she can't achieve a career goal that she wants to. Because here in America, it is the best place and the best time to be a woman, and you can do anything that you set your mind to, 
You just need the right people around you supporting you to get there. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Jacqueline. It's really astounding when we hear stories about people who simply can't even respect a woman's opinion. And I just feel that that is incredibly unfair. And that is something that is unjust, as something that doesn't reflect, I think, the United States of America and its values. Could you share a couple of stories from your experience and work in Lady Leaders and how you helped empower them to achieve their potential? Yes. Um, The first two stories that come to mind is a panel that I did um, about a year ago at my alma mater at Grand Canyon University um, was with the young women of the Honors College and um, some some female executives that help run the entire university. Um, And there was a, a a freshman student that messaged me after after the panel, and um, I always have a topic of we, we always talk about a specific topic on these panels, um, but I also bring in the same questions panel after panel because it's always interesting to me to hear what the women I have on my panel have to share with the audience. Um, but those are also like the hallmarks of what I want to talk about with lady leaders. This girl messaged me after the panel and she said, I've been having a really hard time. Um, My cousin just drastically passed away. It was unexpected. Um, I've really pulled out of all my classes and extracurricular activities, but the dean of the honors college encouraged me to come to this event, even though I really haven't left my dorm the last couple of weeks. And I didn't want to go. I didn't know who you were. I didn't know what Miss Arizona was. I didn't know what a lady leader is. And I'm so glad that I I came because I left so inspired. And I'm now getting involved with the student government at the Honors College. Um, I'm putting in more effort to my classes. And I'm not going to drop out of college now. That was a really great story to be a part of. And then on the other side of that, um, one of my childhood best friends, she stopped working after she had children and now her children are grown. And it's been um, about 19 years that she's since she's been back in the, in the workforce. And she told me that because of the work that I shared with lady leaders and things that she had been a part of, it inspired her to go back to school to get her realtor's license. And she now has a successful real estate practice that she's working on. Wow, man, those are great stories, Jacqueline. I just can't imagine being in those situations when things are difficult, when people might feel that they can't be empowered. And yet people like yourself, I think, do an incredible job inspiring women like these two women that you've described just right before. Nowadays, there are so many initiatives all around the world that care about women empowerment, that care about breaking down those historical barriers. There are so many international ones that I could name, but I just want to give a quick example I work for a think tank, and we do a lot of research about uh, different U.S. foreign policy initiatives, and it's really great to see how there are a growing number of 
women empowerment initiatives, especially in countries that historically and even to this day, unfortunately treat women as second-class citizens. It's a long road ahead, I think, for many of these initiatives, but for any kind of change, there has to be a starting point, right? And I think what you're doing, starting at such a young age, I think we are the pioneers of the future, and I unequivocally support additional initiatives so that more women around the world can experience this level of equal opportunity. Let's just take one example from the White House. The Women's Global Development and Prosperity Initiative was started by Ivanka Trump. And I think this is a classic example of how people from the top can influence those around the world and to push this idea that women can become entrepreneurs, they can become inventors and creators, and truly are becoming an essential part of not just the economy of a country, but the general well-being and the general prosperity. So my question to you, Jacqueline, is are there any other initiatives or organizations that you plan on becoming a part of in addition to Lady Leaders? I worked very closely with an organization called Arizona Foundation for Women um, during my time as Miss Arizona and up until very recently. And through them, we were able, through a partnership with Lady Leaders and Arizona Foundation for Women, we created a millennial initiative called the Young Women's um, Leadership Development Club. And um, things were a little bit interesting with COVID. Um, we kicked this off right before COVID shut everything down earlier this year. Um, but I felt like this women's organization was missing an entire facet of the community because they weren't really doing enough to reach the millennial generation. Um, Because millennials, typically, they're empathetic, caring, and they want to be a part of something. They just don't know what to be a part of, or they don't necessarily have have like an excess of money to be able to donate. And this was the perfect initiative to be able to combine two programs together to do more good, um, specifically in the Arizona community. And I and, and excuse me, an initiative I would love to be a part of is the Women's Global Development and Prosperity Initiative. I think that Ivanka Trump is doing an incredible job, and she's having unparalleled results to any other administration for the opportunities and fundraising and protections that they're giving to women, not just in America but all around the world. And I think that showing that. Women can prosper in the workforce um, and giving them vocational education, workforce development, and skills training is the goal so that we can create more societies all across the world that don't see women as second-class citizens, but as equal partners that contribute to the economy and the workforce and provide for their families just as much as any of their male counterparts. You know, that reminds me a little bit about the work I'm doing for a think tank that focuses on U.S. foreign policy in the Indo-Pacific. I track a lot about the different State Department initiatives, 
USAID initiatives, even DOD initiatives that promote women empowerment in countries where people there still largely consider women as second-class citizens. And I really believe that we're turning the tide. I think we're making a big difference in terms of inspiring more women across the entire world through soft power, through influence. And I really hope that this means a new era for women across the world. We can't wait to see, I think, what these initiatives are going to bring. And I'm so excited to see that women like Jacqueline are doing what they can to promote this message of bringing people together and ensuring that the women of the 21st century will be a new century of progress and of harmony. Now, Jacqueline, you must have learned so much about yourself and your community and your country throughout your lifetime. What are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned in your lifetime so far? The most meaningful lesson that I feel like is especially timely for the political climate that we're living in today is that here in America, you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to through hard work, integrity, and perseverance. And that has also been the story with my journey over the last seven years to finally winning Miss Arizona. There are plenty of people at the beginning and at the end who told me no, who said I could never do it, and were just really trying to drag me down or tell me that my dream or my calling, I I wasn't valuable enough to achieve it. And I think that that's such a lie because when you have something on your heart that you know you're supposed to do and you're supposed to do it for the betterment of other people, you should chase after that relentlessly. And I also think that on the topic of following your goals or dreams, I think it's important to realize that it's not just about you. I think that a huge, huge point of my success in winning Miss Arizona and doing better and better was when I stopped thinking about how this would affect Jacqueline and started thinking about how I could affect the Miss Arizona organization. And that distinction in my mindset is what made all the difference because it took the pressure off from being about me to what I could do to benefit others. And I think that that's also a huge hallmark of American society. We're very generous. We are always the first ones to aid and send money to help other countries and other people when they're hurting and at their times of need. And I think that right now is no different than any other time in that. Amen, Jacqueline. Amen. I just could not agree with you more on that because when you talk about putting others first, I think that is the sign of true public servant. I remember I was learning about something with regards to just learning about each other and learning about what the purpose of life was. And I'll never forget someone once told me, he said, the point in which you start living for others and not for yourself is the zenith of happiness. And I think it's no different when we talk about public service, talking about women empowerment, such as the kinds of things that you're doing with lady leaders. And I think we have not seen 
the entirety of that spectrum of people who have made those dedications, made those differences to improve the lives of numerous people. And I think this episode that we're recording right now is a testament to the dedication of the women's suffragettes, as we've mentioned a few times already. But I also think that it represents a new era of women empowerment. I really hope that this generation and future generations will capitalize on the amazing accomplishments that we've seen in history. I mentioned the sculpture within the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. I mentioned it in the previous part as well. But in part of that sculpture, behind the three ladies, behind Lucretia Mott, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Susan B. Anthony, is a tall standing blank rock. And what that symbolizes to many is the countless opportunities that are out there, that are out there for women of all different backgrounds to pursue and to achieve. And just like we are trying to carry out the achievements and the successes of the women's suffrage movement, on this podcast, we talk about Washington's principles as a continuation and an evolution based on the founding principles of our country. I'm talking about the principles of patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, and civility. So out of these principles, Jacqueline, which of these do you find are most valuable when talking about the women's suffrage movement and the reflection on this historic amendment 100 years ago? Oh, I think that they're all so relevant to American society and we should all practice them on a daily basis. Amen. <laughs> but when I, th- I think about three that are really rev- relevant to my, my experience as Miss Arizona and just me personally, I, I think of patriotism, faith, education and civility because I feel like Miss America is a, is a very unique combination of those three things. I mean, she is Miss America after all, one of the most iconic patriotic traditions and hallmarks of American society regardless of the changes that the organization itself goes through. But the founding principles of the Miss America organization are that of celebrating the state that you come from and being proud of your country and being proud of your roots. And that in and of itself brings unity and patriotism. And education is also a, a huge hallmark of the Miss America organization. Miss America is the number one provider of scholarships to women and the entire world. And here in America, we greatly value our education and our freedom of, freedom of education. Not everyone all across the world has the same access to free education that we are fortunate enough to have here in America. And that really helps our society progress. And the third thing that I really like about these three concepts relating to the Miss America organization would be civility. Now, as a title holder, you are not, not there to represent a partisan party. You are essentially 
a princess of the people. You're there to serve the people, to be an advocate for them, and to champion policies that are for the betterment of children and families. And that in and of itself creates a level of civility because you have people from all different backgrounds, all ethnicities, all sides of the political spectrum, and what are and everything else that you could can believe. And all these people come together for the purpose of volunteering and giving back to the community and helping transform um, young girls into professional women. And you're doing all that on the foundation of these hallmarks of patriotism, education, and civility. I think you're absolutely right. I kind of regard Miss America as an institution because the organization for now 100 years has given countless women opportunities that were not possible before Miss America. And to be able to understand, I think, what that means for yourself and for other women, I think is a really fascinating lifelong learning experience. You mentioned civility. I think that's been the most common theme in all of our episodes, which is that with civility, we can accomplish much more than if we just kind of hid in our own echo chambers, pretending that there isn't a point of view. I mean, that's just not helpful at all. And I think what you've brought to women of all different backgrounds, being Miss Arizona, participating in all these events and campaigns to promote what is right, I think it's just so admirable. And as I often say on this podcast, if we did not progress from the era of the founders, I think the founders would be very disappointed in us. And so what we're doing in this day and age to promote what is right for women and men alike, I think is going to be our moment to hold on to those values, those timeless values that we often talk about on our podcast. I want to now close with a new question, and this is something that I personally decided to add on to this podcast to make it more unique, but also to show that our reverence of what the founders laid for us is still alive and well in 2020 and beyond. So Jacqueline, because it is a special episode, we're going to be doing something a little different today. I'm going to ask you who your favorite founding father is, but also a woman whom you admire from the early days of America. And tell us why you chose these two individuals. My favorite founding father was George Washington, without a doubt. I would say that my favorite suffragette was Elizabeth Cady Stanton, as she was really the leader of the, the women's rights movements in the U.S., and she was the main force behind the Seneca Falls Convention, and she was a primary author of the Seneca Falls Convention's Declaration of Sentiments, which outlined essentially the rights, the equal rights that women wanted to men that they didn't have at the time. And I, I really admire Elizabeth because I don't think that she would have subscribed to today's ideals of feminism. I think that she 
wanted women to have the right to vote and to not be seen as second-class citizens. But at the same time, she understood that women are uniquely different from men and different doesn't mean unequal or not worthy. Like I was talking about earlier, women bring a different perspective to the table. And when we have another perspective that is empathetic and creative and compassionate in a way that's different than how men might see some issues, I think that that's so important when discussing the main fundamentals that make up policy that's determining the direction of our nation. And that's also specifically why I chose to call lady leaders, lady leaders, and to be about embracing your femininity and to not try and be like men, because we're never going to be like men. And that's not where our strengths lie. Really well said, Jacqueline. I think about the George Washington in my quote-unquote unbiased opinion, I think you're absolutely right. I think he was the best founder, but that's just a personal choice. And we've got so many great other answers here. We've had uh, Jefferson, we've had Ben Franklin, and many others. And my perspective is that in tandem, I think they created a very unique institution and a unique country in America. And I don't think we should ever forget what they left for us. But as we all know, I think the women's suffragettes will always be in our hearts. You will always remember what they believed in and what they might want us to do. I often think about different issues currently, whether it's politics or other things. And I would think to myself, what would George Washington do? What would James Madison do? What would Alexander Hamilton do? And I think an appropriate question on women's rights and about female empowerment would be, what would Elizabeth Cady Stanton do? What would Susan B. Anthony do? And I'm so grateful to be able to share this commemoration of the 19th Amendment with you, Jacqueline. And I want to thank you so much for being on this episode, for sharing your experiences. And I have no doubt that you're going to go really far in life. I can tell. I cannot wait to see what you accomplish in the future. I feel like we covered a great deal of things that I love talking about. So I just wanted to thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have included Jacqueline's social media information in the show notes below. Please check out her website and organization, ladyleadersempower.com, also listed below this podcast episode. This will conclude our two-part episode commemorating 100 years since the passage of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Remember, new episodes come out every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern, so make sure you subscribe and share with your friends and family. Until next time, have a great day and a great week, and I'll see you soon. So long.